This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, good morning, one and all. Welcome to this Saturday edition of The Garden Show. I'm Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden. And on the phone line from Prince Edward County, from your beautiful new home there, it's our friend Charlie Dobbin. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Franklin. How are you? Hey, pretty good. Thank you very much. How uh, was your I, drive this morning? It must no. have been cold. Oh, man. It was like uh, 12 below, I think it was. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Not Something quite, else. Not, Anywho, as wind, not as windy as yesterday, though, No, right? no. Thank goodness for that. And you know what we saw on the pond the other day? What? I swear, two wolves. Wow! Yeah, really? yeah, they were just walking, you know, along the the, the frozen lake or, uh-huh. or a pond, but it's big enough to be a lake. Yeah. But there they were, and then I'm sure it was uh, at first thought, gee, are they coyotes? But they were much bigger than oh. uh, than a, a coyote. Oh. So yeah, kind I'm, of interesting. I'm surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought there would be wolves that far well, so. Well, yeah, I was surprised too. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Could have been a couple of. German shepherds, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so they were gray or anyway, black? Yeah. Well, uh, are you going to be watching the uh, Super Bowl this weekend? Uh, good question. I probably will tune in for halftime. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I apparently, Amanda Gorman, the, the young poet from the inauguration, oh, yeah. uh, is she's doing something. Oh. Uh, and I assume it's during halftime. So I'm I'm interested to see what she's going to do, but and the halftime show is yeah. always interesting. I, I'm I not a, I'm not a big football fan because in, well in school, it was because of my insecurities. Uh, every time they got into a huddle, <laughs> I thought they were talking about me. So <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, no. <laughs> oh Lord. Anywho, um, yeah. uh, you had a, a note to pass along oh. about something. Uh, yeah, um, I, I love it. Uh, people remember you can send your announcement to me through my email at uh, the station there, so we can, we'll make sure we announce that at some point. But I did receive one from Sandra Elfman, and we've uh, announced this event in the past because it is an annual event. This is the 14th year of the London Middlesex Master Gardeners presenting their CD Saturday Garden Fest virtual marketplace and webinar. Well, traditionally, of course, in the past, this has been an on-site event at a, at a conference or community center. But um, this year, you know, everybody's learning to do things yep. differently. So yep. this year, the CD Saturday Garden Fest will be held as an online webinar. It's on March the 6th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. So I'll, I'll hold on to this and announce it when we get a bit closer as well. But bottom line is there's the marketplace, and it's all about kicking off the gardening season with um, online, in this case, online marketplace. But there's vendors, there's catalogs, community groups, three excellent speakers. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's uh, even sort of more interesting is there's no 
set fee to be participating in this event. They are happy for the smallest donation because many of these volunteer groups have not been able to do their traditional fundraising this last year. So, um, and they're not having a lot of expenses because they're obviously not renting venues and, but they do pay their speakers. So small donations are accepted for more information. And you will register in advance if you want to participate in this. Just go to London Middlesex Master Gardeners, all one word, London Middlesex MasterGardeners.com. Okay, good enough. Uh, we have to take a first break, but I'm better oh, get the phone numbers oh, on the air. No we have kidding, a yeah. completely blank monitor at the moment. Nobody on hold. So, boy, if you've ever thought, gee, I'd like to give a call, but the line's always busy. <laughs> Not now. <laughs> so give a call in Toronto to talk to Charlie Dobbin. 416-360-0740. And anywhere in the province, it is toll-free. 1-866-740-4740. And Charlie Charlie shall return to answer your questions following these words. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, you know, Charlie, I forgot to mention that if you are a first-time caller, please let uh, um, our operator, Carlos, know. And then when you get to the air, you're going to hear that. Okay? It'll get your garden wings. Okay. Yeah, for that. Yeah. Uh, it's a cloudy day here in Toronto, and I'm wondering if uh, we can get a little sunshine in from Stratford with Judy, who's on the line from that uh, terrific spot. Good morning, Judy. Good morning. How are you this morning? Great. Uh, my question is about a begonia. It's um, Now, in case I'm not pronouncing this right, it's G-R-P-H-O-N, and it has like a maple leaf, um, leaf on it. Uh-huh. And I want to know... It's it's doing beautifully. I'm overwintering it for my daughter, and it's flowering nicely. It's it's about 15 inches tall. Mm-hmm. Now, do I cut that back? Like, there's no little notey things on the leaves. So if I cut it back, I'll just have stems. There'd be no leaves. No. Um, there's no reason to cut it back. Why, why are you thinking just because it's getting too big? I didn't know if in the summer then it would get real tall and spindly, so I didn't know if I should. Um, not, well, if, if you give it the right conditions, it shouldn't get tall and spindly. Okay. If it does become, start to become top heavy, like too tall and, you know, unwieldy, you can always trim it down, but I would never remove all the leaves or take your, <clears throat> take it right down to the ground. Um, it, begonias, generally speaking, are pretty easy plants at, you know, regular room temperature, um, keeping the, the, the media or the soil in the pot moist, but not wet. And, it's, and, and we're starting to really notice the days are getting longer. Our plants are drying out now a little faster than they were back in November, December when the days were shorter. So never ever water on the calendar, water based on what the, the, the media feels like. So once it starts to feel a little bit dry as we get into the spring, give it a good, a good thorough watering. Um, humidity, begonias generally do like humidity, but they don't necessarily like to be misted. They just like to be in an area where maybe around other plants where they can share each other's, you know, more humid air or a pebble tray from below. And we put a um, pebble tray under it, like you said. 
Oh, good, good, yeah, yeah, and um, and otherwise, yeah, I wouldn't, uh, I'd be happy with it. You know, if it's flowering and all that important stuff, by by the early March, it'll be time to start fertilizing all our house plants. You know, okay. just with an all-purpose, follow the instructions, how much fertilizer, um, but it'll be time. And again, that's going to promote more flowers, more leaves, and a bushier plant. Okay, thank you so much. You're okay, welcome. Thank you. you have a good day. You betcha. Thank you, and uh, have a nice weekend. Thanks for listening to Zoomer Radio. Charlie, I just want to read an email here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Folks have been kind enough to send a lot of questions to you. This is from (laughs) Dion McLeod. And I find it kind of confusing here. Uh, Maybe you can help me out. Hi, Charlie. I have a black or white, not sure which one, rabbit's foot fern, Mm -hmm. and the leaves are turning yellow to brown this winter. We've got a lot of colors going on here. I have had it for about four years, and for the last three years, I have it in my bathroom for the moisture. I water once a week. What am I doing wrong? Thanks, Dion. Right. So thank you, Dion. And see, but there's a person watering once a week, watering on the calendar. Right. Not a good idea. So uh, lovely plant. I'm a big fan of rabbit's foot fern. I actually have one that I've had for probably close to 30 years, but but you wouldn't know it. It's not huge and you know, it should be a huge plant. It's not because it's pretty specific. It, it is a, a fern. So, it what's neat about it? <clears throat> remember rabbit's foot um, keychains, mm. right? So they were they were a thing fifty years ago. They aren't anymore, but they were. So this is called rabbit's foot fern because the like rhizomes, which are a form of root, they grow over the like at the surface of the soil and then over the edge of the, the pot and then down the side of the pot. So there are these furry little creeping rhizomes that gives it the common name rabbit's foot fern because they look like little rabbit's feet, sort of. <laughs> uh, proper name is Davalia phagensis, so D-A-V-A-L-L-I-A. H- high humidity. That's going to be your biggest challenge. Bathroom is a great idea because that does tend to be a, a nice humid spot. Room temperatures are, can be, are, are, you know, happy with regular room temperatures, never lower than 55 degrees Fahrenheit, but I imagine your bathroom is kept above that. Indirect bright light. Is there a brightness in your bathroom? Do you have a window you didn't mention? Um, now, spring and summer, moist, always moist, but not soaked. So when you feel the soil through the spring and summer on the surface, it should be moist, but not wet. Whereas in the, in the winter, which we're still in right now, we can have a drier compost inside the pots and uh, is expected to dry down between waterings. I do mist mine quite often every time I think about it. And then consider fertilizer. Again, spring to fall, all-purpose, once a month, fertilizer will help it. I, I'm wondering if, you know, and make sure, obviously, it's in a pot with drainage, so there's no chance that you could overwater it. Um, when, when the leaves are turning yellow, I think underwatering, overwatering, or lack of light. So sort of look for those sort of three areas as what might be the problem. All right? All righty. Uh, we're up to our first break here, and uh, they're going to keep me busy this morning. We've got a couple of first-time callers uh, Ooh, on the line. Uh, Shirley will be next. So hang tight there, Shirley. We'll be back with you momentarily to have a word with Charlie Dobbin here on The Garden Show. <laughs> Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, Charlie. Let's uh, go to Grafton, Ontario and say hi to uh, Shirley, who is... Hey, a first-time caller. <laughs> Good morning, Shirley. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. 
Um, I have a question. Um, we have a, an exercise room that is south-facing, and it also has about 60 plants in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I overwinter and make new uh, cuttings for uh, geraniums. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a water source in the room because I do my aquafitness. Um, the uh, we run a dehumidifier to for the moisture. Mm-hmm. Is that water good to give to my plants, or is it demineralized? Oh no, it's great. It's uh, dehumidifier waters. It is demineralized in the sense that it's water that's been pulled out of the air. So it was a, a gas that is now turned into a liquid, but it's, so it's straight water. You're right. It doesn't have what our tap water has, which would be fluorides and chlorine and all these other things. But uh, no, dehumidifier water is excellent water okay. uh, for any of our plants. But one thing is you do have to remember is uh, you have to wash out the, the reservoir from the dehumidifier every now and then because they do get a bit scuzzy over time. I, just from particles of dust and things in the air, that they, they'll end up with some kind of a yucky look to them. So every now and then give it a scrub and then definitely use the water on your plant. Okay, great. Thank you very much. You're okay. welcome. Thanks for calling. Bye. Thank you, Shirley. Bright and cheerful sounding lady. Yeah. Uh, sounds, right. Listen to what she's got going on there. Yeah. A south facing exercise room with sixty plants. Yeah. I, I want to move in with her. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um Oh, and I want to thank the folks who have taken the time to send you an email or two. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'll, I'll give the email address out right yeah. now so that uh, for next week you can, uh, you know, get busy folks and send a question in. It's C. Dot Dobbin, that's D-O-B-B-I-N at mzmedia.com. And here's one from Dave Smith, who says, Hi, Charlie, it's not the right time of year to be talking about the lawn, but I have lots of time in my hands to think about next summer. There are two kinds of grass in my lawn. One is what I would call normal grass. The other is perplexing. It's a very fine grass that spreads out horizontally, not crabgrass, he says, but almost like a vine. It is overpowering the regular grass. During the summer, the lawn looks good, but the problems start later in the fall. When raking leaves and giving the lawn a good back scratch before winter, this grass comes up uh, too, leaving uh, bare patches everywhere. The roots are shallow. Over half my lawn is this now, and it spreads every year. What kind of grass is this, and how do I control it? Well, there you go. Yeah, Dave sent this email, as you'll notice, about two weeks ago. Yep. And he, he and I have been going back and forth on the email just so I could get a little more clarification on what he's really got going on. And it sounds like what he's got growing in, on his, in his lawn, in amongst what he calls his normal grass, is creeping bent grass. So creeping bent grass, for anybody who's a golfer, you'll know creeping bent grass because it's very commonly grown as a putting greens, right? So it's very mm-hmm. fine texture. It's very bright green. It's, it never stands up very tall. It's always very, very short. It lies right down uh, on the surface of the soil. Has, as he points out, a shallow root system. And when you rake it, it comes up. Or in the heat of the summer, it will turn brown because it can't access water unless you've got consistent irrigation going on creeping bent grass. Now, in a golf course, they will do that. They will irrigate every night. Uh, in our homes, not so much. So it is considered a very high-maintenance grass because of its need for water and fertilizing and all these other things. It's also susceptible to all kinds of pests. It's just not an easy um, turf grass to, you know, to encourage 
on your property. So what I would do if I was Dave is I would actually work on killing it. Now, you don't have to maybe kill it all at the same time. He doesn't indicate how big his, his lawn is, but he says that it's taken over, taking over and, and moving in and other grasses are dying out and he's more than half covered with this creepy grass. So maybe just start with an, an area and you don't have to use any, you can use Roundup, but you can also use something simple like vinegar to kill it. Um, it, you know, on a, particularly on a hot sunny day in the spring, you can pretty easily kill creeping bent grass with vinegar. There is no residual action off of the vinegar once the, you rake out the dead stuff, or frankly, if it rakes out that easily, just start raking it in the spring, eliminate it. Any bits of root that are left behind will grow back though. So, you know, you really do need to eliminate it before you go in and reseed. You know, you're going to top dress, you're going to overseed with some of the chosen grasses, the hardier grasses, the, the rye grasses, the fescues, the blue grasses. Um, eco lawn is something that I'm trying this on my, at my place, uh, which comes through, uh, Wildflower Farm. We're the inventors of eco grass and it's a super easy, um, mix of tough rye grasses. I think rye grasses are fescues. Now I'm going to forget, but either way, it's a, it's a good, good blend and, um, uh, that's what I would do. I, w- I know he was kind of like, oh, I don't want to kill this. It just seems like it's a horrible thing to do. But you can also smother. Remember, you can always get out that tarpaulin, lay that over top of areas of weeds that we're unhappy with, kill that section under the tarp. Once you lift the tarp, you know, you leave it there for a good six or seven weeks, lift the tarp, and then, again, uh, fill in with, with chosen grasses as opposed to the creeping bent grasses. Okay. All righty. I hope Dave's tuned in this morning to get all that. Now, <laughs> um, uh, here is uh, from Mount Hope, Alice on the line. Good morning, Alice. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Charlie, I have a comment to make. Mm-hmm. Um, I've listened to you for quite a few years and often wondered what you look like. <laughs> so the other day I was at my grandson's place and he has an iPad and I said to him, Brandon, could you show me what Charlie Dobbin looks like? She's gorgeous. So hold on. <laughs> and I said, Oh, that is so good because now when I listen to your show, I can relate to a face. <laughs> Well, thank you. I mean, there's some pretty wacky pictures of me out there, so don't believe all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just nice to, you know, when you're talking to somebody and... It, because I have called you a couple of times. Yeah. Well, and it's funny too. Do I look like what you expected? Because I do that too with radio personalities. You know, you have a sense of what you think they look like, and then you see their picture, and you're like, no, yeah. I didn't think they'd look like that at all. Exactly. In fact, I said to my grandson, he's 12, and I said, oh, I said, she's kind of cute looking. <laughs> so I just, I told him, I said, I'm going to call the garden show Saturday morning. So. Here I am. All right. Well, good. So it sounds like you don't have a computer then, Alice. No, I don't. Okay. Okay. Well, for anybody who's listening out there who does have a computer, we like, I'm watching Frank right now on my computer yeah. because on the AM740 or zoomerradio.ca website, there is a listen live uh, tab and you go to that. So I am, I'm not listening obviously to the audio of Frank because I'm 
on my phone with him, but I'm watching the video segment of Frank. So yeah. anybody who wants to see what we look like, there's the opportunity right there. You can see us on camera on the web. And Alice, what I always uh, try to keep in mind with when I'm trying to picture Charlie and what she looks like in my mind, I always add a wine bag uh, and she's crawling across the <laughs> front lawn there. <laughs> you love that image. I, and it's I not do. even true. <laughs> I think it's a wheelbarrow now. Oh. All right. A wine bag. Wine bag. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have we have a note here from Alicia McDivitt. Mm-hmm. says, Dear Charlie, is this, and she sent you a picture, is this plant supposed to droop like this? It also appears very unstable in the dirty, uh, it wobbles in the dirty, whatever. I think she's in the dirt. Yeah, in the dirt. Not exactly sure what to do with it, so your insight is appreciated. That from Alicia. All right. So now you're going, what is she talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, this is a very commonly grown plant as a house plant. <clears throat> I think most of us have an aloe vera on hand just for, to, you know, look after burns, if nothing else, right? Because the gel inside an aloe vera is very, very soothing. So, yes, indeed, um, Alicia's got this aloe vera that's wobbling and flopping and not real happy. So here's a couple of suggestions if you are dealing with the same issue. Number one, don't plant this plant into a plastic pot. Plastic pots, number one, uh, don't give you the same drainage as a heavy terracotta pot will. Um, of course, making sure that whatever terracotta pot you choose has drainage holes, always, always has drainage holes. So what's cool about terracotta is that not only are we evaporating moisture from the surface of the soil, we're also evaporating moisture from the sides of the pot because terracotta pots are porous. So that's what I always choose for things like aloe veras, cacti, uh, succulents in general, put them into terracotta. That way there's less chance of overwatering them because it is easy to overwater. Make sure, again, you've got the drainage hole in the, through the bottom of your pot. Um, put a little piece of, um, if you have some screen kicking around or some pebbles or old clay pot shards, not a, not a big thick layer of gravel in the bottom of these pots. Just uh, some single, because um, the holes in terracotta pots tend to be quite large. So you just want to slow down the, the um, media being washed out the bottom of the pot. So make sure there's something over the drainage holes to stop that, but to obviously maintain the drainage. And the other thing with ter- uh, aloe vera is that they are, as, as she's noting, it appears um, it's wobbling. Because they have uh, a pretty limited root system, this plant. So it does tend to be top-heavy with a small root system. So instead of a big, deep pot where this plant will never send its roots down to the bottom, and you're out there buying a pot, a terracotta pot for an aloe vera, get one that's as wide as it is deep. So what we would call a pan, P-A-N, a pan. It has a not, it's wider and shallower, uh, and that w- will help, again, with stability. When you're planting it, plant the stem right down so that you, you'll actually cover, if you're repotting this plant, you'll end up with, with a bit of stem below ground. Um, and when you're out shopping for that terracotta pot, shop as well for cactus uh, soil or uh, potting soil for cacti. And you will find that that is a better drained soil mix or soilless mix. And again, less chance of overwatering, less chance of rotting roots and better chance of having this plant thrive. And never, ever, ever water it on the calendar, only water it when it's dry. And what I do is I not only wait till it's dry, but then I add a week before I water. 
Okay. Uh, just as a matter of interest to those of you who may be tuned to us for the very first time, you're saying, hey, this is kind of an interesting show. You're listening to The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, AM 740, and in downtown Toronto at 96.7 FM. And I've got a little work to do here. Just a minute. There's the first time caller ring for Gail in Balsam Lake. Hi, Gail. Good morning. Welcome. Uh, Charlie, I brought my potted geraniums into the house for the winter. They're in an unheated room with a sunny window, um, and I'm wondering how I should treat them. I wonder about deadheading and watering and how to prepare them for spring. So, so okay, were they were in pots last summer, and then all you did is just bring the pots in? Yes. Okay. And so how many pots have you got? Lots? Um, only three. And are they- Nice big pots. I probably would like to separate them. Right. So, so three pots and more than one plant in each pot? Yes, three or four in each pot. Okay, nice. So what people will often do when they're overwintering geraniums, which is actually a great idea because they tend to be a bit expensive, and if you like them, then why not keep them? It sounds like you've got a good spot. You've got a bright, cool location for them. Right now, I assume they have green leaves, um, and they probably have also a few yellow leaves from at the bottom and some new, are you seeing new growth at the tips at all? Or? Yes, a little bit. I was deadheading and now I've stopped and there isn't too much flowering. Yeah, but there won't be just now yet. What, what I would do is a couple things. Always remember the good garden hygiene rule. So if there is any dead material that's dropped to the surface of the soil, whether it's flowers or leaves, always make sure you're cleaning that away so there's no, um, sort of dead stuff sitting around just because you end up in encouraging fungal growth, et cetera. Um, What people will do, and even the the commercial growers do this, is is what you've done. They take last year's geraniums and they they become what we call the mother geraniums. And starting now, or even in January, they'll start taking cuttings from those big plants. And so the cuttings will be about, you know, four inches long. Uh, Of course, there'll be a couple leaves at the top. There'll be nodes or little bumps on the stems, and it's at the nodes that will grow roots to start new geraniums. Um, so I don't know if that's your intention is to end up with more geraniums than you had last year or if you just want to hold on to the ones you've got. But either way, you are going to want to cut them back because you're going to make them much bushier, less leggy. Uh, ultimately, you're going to encourage flowers by starting to provide some moisture and some fertilizer. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Did you want to take those same pot? Or you said you want to separate them. Yes, I'll separate them. Yeah. So once you separate them, they're going to get bigger again, right? They're, you're going to separate them so they're not competing with each other into their own pots, pots with drainage, of course. So it's uh, it's up to you when you do your cutting back and whether you want to keep the cuttings that you do end up cutting back. But it is starting now that you'll start that process. And they're, they're called tip cuttings because I'm sure you'll find that the distance between the nodes and a node is where each leaf comes out tends to be quite um, elongated in the winter versus in the summer where we have much closer nodes, uh, shorter internode lengths, we call that, because the light levels are just that much brighter. So that's why they get leggy in the winter. They tend to get these extended nodes, and it's just great to cut them all back, and they will bush out like crazy. And once they start flowering, of course, you're not going to want to do a lot of cutting back. So that's why now is a good time to get started. And you put the cuttings in a glass of water? You can, as long as you've got a little bump underwater it's nice to use a bit of rooting hormone that will speed up the roots but uh yeah oh yeah the geraniums are pretty easy to root you can root them in water root them in moist sand or perlite even uh, sometimes i'll just go into a moist 
soil, you know, potting soil, and uh, and roots will grow. Just be careful to not overwater. Keep moist but not soggy. Okay. Then I have some ones that are completely bare, no soil or anything, and I stuck them in the crawl space just to try it out. Uh, will they be worth worrying about? Well, if it's cool enough in the crawl space, <clears throat> then they are completely dormant. And what happens is, is that once they're exposed to some light, uh, assuming they're still alive, which they will be if they've been kept cool enough, then what will happen is a bunch of new growth, little tiny tip growth will start to pop on those those plants without any roots. Sure, not, I mean, they have the last year's roots, but no soil, no water. You will see, you'll begin to see a little bit of growth, and those are to be cut off and will become cuttings. You're not going to save the main plant or the mother plant. You're only going to save what the tips that start to grow as they're exposed to light. Excellent. Thank you so much for your help. Oh, you're very welcome. My pleasure. Thank you, Gail, uh, for joining us here on the weekend. Don't be a stranger. Exactly. <laughs> um, we have to take a little bit of a break here. I will remind folks that as we say goodbye to uh, Gail, that frees up a line. In Toronto, call 416-360-0740. And anywhere in the province, toll-free, thanks to Moses paying the bill, 1-866-740-4740. We'll be back with Charlie Dobbin in just a moment. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. You know, Charlie, it's always great to receive first-time callers as we do the show. But as well, it's always great to uh, re new acquaintances. We've had uh, callers before, old friends like Werner. <laughs> From Tilsenburg. Uh, He's on the line right now. Good morning, Werner. Good morning, Frank and Charlie. How are you? Great. Excellent. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, I hear you talking about these red crawling worms uh, in the uh, in the composter. How yeah, do I get? Do I have to purchase them, or do they come on their own? No. If you don't know somebody that has red worms, you're going to have to purchase them. But there's, I can recommend an excellent location to purchase them, and that is Cassie, C-A-T-H-Y, Cassie's Crawlers. Uh, if you just Google Cassie's Crawlers, it'll take you right to her website. You can buy red worms by the pound. And, of course, she'll ship when conditions are right. I, I think she probably waits till the spring. But, yeah, she'll probably wait till the spring. That's good. Is the eggshells okay to throw in there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Break them up. Anything that's going in the compost, the smaller it is, the faster it's going to get decomposed. But redworms are the best. They just chow down. She's got a great video, actually, on her website if you want to understand how redworms work. Um, they are voracious eaters. They eat their, their body weight every day. No kidding. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you can just give them newspapers, give them, you know, eggshells, give them banana peels, give them yeah. anything organic, and they will chow it down. That's give great. That thing Can again for the web? Kathy, so C-A-T-H-Y. With, with a C? Yes. Yeah, with a C. Kathy with a C. Kathy's Crawlers. Kathy Crawlers? Yeah. No, Crawlers. crawlers. Like crawlers. crawlers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so um, she's got, I think, well, Kathy'sComposters.com is one of her websites. Kathy's Crawley Composters. She's got a number of different things on the go. But her her whole reason, her whole business is providing red worms and compost advice. How to, and she believes, and, and I believe she's quite correct, 
we, in Ontario, we send a phenomenal amount of garbage to Michigan. Like, isn't that crazy? We send, like, dump truck loads of garbage to Michigan, like, hundreds every day, year after year, instead of just putting a bunch of worms on it. Worms, we, we wouldn't have to ship all that garbage away if we put, you know, put the garbage and the worms together. So, uh, great suggestion. Get a hold of some red worms and look after your own garbage. Let's not ship it away. Okay. I wonder, I wonder if they have something down here in Tilsonburg where I can go to a garden center or something. Is it to buy red worms? I am not sure. I am not sure. Mm. Certainly it's worth looking around. And Kathy might even know if you send her an email. She, she knows everybody in the business. She is located in um, just up near Lake Simcoe. Okay. Um, Thanks, Werner. We have to kind of move along here, okay? But good hearing from you. Thank you. Thanks Uh, for calling. We have uh, on the line Joan from Hamilton. Good morning, Joan. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Good morning, Charlie. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, It's funny, I'm following up with composting questions. Uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, do you compost all winter? Sure, why not? You, you won't see a lot of decomposition in the winter, but as soon as things start to, to warm up, uh, whatever's doing your composting for you, whether it's worms, plus bacteria, all the microorganisms, they all wake up again once, uh, the, once the temperatures warm up. Yeah, you can, you can keep putting it out all winter. It doesn't matter if it freezes. No, not at all. Oh, no. not at all. No, no and, and uh, when do you stop? What, what month would you stop uh, putting stuff in there so it will rot? Well, so that's an interesting point because you're right. If When we keep adding to our composter, then we never can empty it because we always have, you know, raw food in there. Yes. Which yes. is why I always, in my best experience doing this, I've always had more than one composter on the go. Okay. So that I can move, I can let one begin its proper decomposition and start filling a different one. Okay. So if you if you can do that, that's what I would do. Um, in my situation where I used to live in Richmond Hill, I had three compost composters on the go for the summer, and then I had a fourth one that was right by my back door for the winter because I knew I wasn't going to walk so far in the winter yeah. to take my compost out. So I had one right close to the door for the winter, and I was kept that one and it filled up all winter and then it de- you know it composted all decomposed all summer and then I emptied it in the fall so it's just one of those things that you kind of work out a system that works for you well is there any no-nos is there anything you shouldn't put in there for for composting or everything mm-hmm. like coffee tea um all the vegetables and fruit. Is there anything specific that shouldn't go in there? Yep. What doesn't go in there is any animal products. Okay. So even though, I mean, anything organic can go in, and of course animal products are organic, but we don't put those in. So no bones, no butter, no salad with salad dressing on it, right? Just plain salad, but not dressed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And obviously no leftover bits and pieces of meat at all. But otherwise, you know, you're good. It's great. I mean, all your fruits, all your vegetables, coffee, tea, like you said, um, eggshells, you will every now and then, when you're putting all that in the composter, have to put in a layer of just some, some uh, fertile soil or some composted manure because you do have to balance out what we call your greens and your browns. All your vegetables and stuff are greens, and every now and then you have to get in some browns. And the browns, of course, is a bunch of nitrogen to, to balance out and feed the bacteria. 
So add soil and, and water in the summertime, I guess. To- Absolutely. And stir every now and then just to get the oxygen in there, and you'll find it'll, it'll decompose very quickly. Okay. Thank you so much. Great. Oh, thanks for calling. You're welcome, Joan. Uh, nice to have you on the show today. I'm um, going to take a little bit of a break here, but then I want to kind of a, a heads up to Julia Wynn, who sent you a question via mm-hmm. email. That's coming up next on The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, you received an email from Julia Wynn and says, Good morning. We have an oak at least three feet in diameter. It suffered a while ago with the three-year tent caterpillar infestation, had a one-year break. Then last year, we were inundated with gypsy moths. And, of course, spring was quite dry. I'm afraid it's going to suffer and not certain how many years of abuse it can take. Is there anything that can be done? to help us keep this big, beautiful tree. That from Julia. Yeah, we actually had a question last week on this subject. Uh, people are really remembering the inundation of gypsy moths yeah. that we saw last year. And, and frankly, oak is the preferred food for the gypsy moth caterpillars. So, yes, indeed, not, not a good thing. Now, remember as well, insects always um, are in cycles, so it's about sort of an every five to seven year cycle when we see uh, gypsy moth infestations like we saw last year in the last few years. So it might not be quite as bad moving forward, but now is the time, Julia, and anybody else who had any issues uh, with gypsy moths on their property, get outside, study the bark of the trees, particularly oak trees, and watch for egg masses. They're furry, little kind of beige-colored clusters of fuzz stuck on the outside of the bark of, of oak trees, of any of the maple trees, any hardwood trees, even on the sides of buildings, the side of your deck, you know, fences. They can be anywhere where those egg masses were laid. Scrape them off um, and just drop that egg mass into a bucket of soapy water. Do not just let it drop on the ground because they will hatch from there. You want to... You want to kill those eggs before they hatch. So that's, that's what we do now. In the spring, what, whatever eggs you don't, ca- you don't scrape off or don't catch, the, the eggs will hatch. The little caterpillars will move up the trees and look for new foliage, you know, emerging foliage, and start eating. So at that point, it's a little trickier for you. Um, generally speaking, we don't consider spraying the caterpillars because they are a source of food for birds and toads and frogs and and all kinds of little creatures so we don't want to spray them necessarily but you can hand pick you can certainly pick and squish uh there's something called tangle foot tangle foot is a sticky product uh that you can put around a ring on the bark around the trees so when the caterpillars try and crawl up the bark of the trees they get stuck in the tangle foot so it's a good name and uh, they can't get up, they can't do their thing, and they starve to death, stuck into the sticky stuff on the bark. Um, so there's a few things like that. There's even burlap that many people will wrap and make like a, almost like a, a resting place for the caterpillars. And, and, and it works, 
but you have to empty the resting caterpillars who are hiding in the burlap in order for this to work. So it's, it's like you set up a little hotel. You can't just leave that hotel there and let them sleep there every night. You have to actually eliminate them from the hotel every morning and early in the morning and then uh, set it up again for the following morning. So there, there are a few ways that they're, they're a bit time consuming, but certainly worth it because like you say, it's a beautiful tree and it, 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 the, the tree is weakened by the defoliation. It has to grow more leaves when it loses its leaves halfway through the summer. And it will grow more leaves if it has the energy to do so, but it depletes the plant. So you just it's not a good thing to allow this to happen. So anything you can do to slow down that invasion, go for it. Um, one true fact, which people might not know, gypsy moths were actually deliberately introduced to North America from Europe around 1869 to be bred in captivity for their silk. They, they were going to be silkworms. The effort failed, but escaped moths of this species spread widely to become pests by defoliating trees. So, um, yeah. Some sage advice there. Now, we only have a, well, a minute and a bit left in the show. I, let's try to squeeze one more wait, call wait, in wait. here. No, before you okay. go, I just want to say something. Yep, yep. Um, I, I can fill a half a minute quickly. I sent away from my Stokes catalog, the okay. one that they're advertising. Stokes is a big supporter of our show, and they've been promoting their catalog. You know, go to stokesseeds.com for their free catalog. Well, I, I received mine in the mail because I asked for one. And you know what? It's 80 pages of great information. Wow. Full color, lots of categorization. If you like your vegetables, there's all kinds of new vegetables. They've got a whole section just on small space gardening. So for balcony gardeners, condo gardening, they're, they're showing you small plants, like, the, you know, um, plants that are great for container uh, culture as opposed to in-ground culture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sections on uh, you know, customer favorites and new for 2021. So, yeah, it's a, it's a very cool magazine. I would definitely send away for it, or you can shop online as well. But either way, uh, worth getting a hold of. It just gets the saliva, gets you going. My little heart starts pounding when I look at this. I, I want to order everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm afraid uh, we don't have time for any more phone calls. And uh, uh, to Mary and uh, Norm, who are online there, please uh, get through to us early next week. Yeah. I have a little comment here I want to make. Uh, Sheila Mitchell had sent you just a comment, really not a question. Hi, Charlie. I always like to listen to the show. I had insects in my plants, and I now vacuum the base of the plants and take away dead leaves and old soil that's discolored, uh, discolored and uh, now have no insects. So kind of a neat little tip there. Yeah, vacuuming works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, gee whiz, we're just about on a racetrack here as we uh, oh, dear. face well, another... A uh, week without each other. <laughs> I know, I know, I miss you, but I do enjoy watching you on the web. It's nice oh, thank you. you. I, I feel like I'm there when I can I didn't see have one. a chance to show you my socks. I'm wearing <laughs> my, my special socks this morning. They're, oh, did they're my drink My drink socks. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, oh, look at that. <laughs> Martinis for breakfast. Yeah, exactly. Hey, hey, Frankie, thanks so much. You're the best. I miss you, and I, I hope I can get into the studio soon. One of these days, I'll yep. be... I'll be in TO, but in the meantime, thanks for all your help and support, and Carlos for keeping things going, and all our great callers and emailers. Keep it coming. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.